to Biohack Your Beauty, Episode 2. I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp, and I'm here to help you find the most powerful beauty biohacks, nutrition principles, lifestyle habits, and spiritual practices for optimal well-being. My mission is to inspire you to discover and embrace your own innate powers of longevity, self-optimization, and radiant vitality. This show has been brought to you by Shazandu, a line of the highest quality, wild-crafted, and organic products. Shazandu is dedicated to using only the purest ingredients, and their activated charcoal powder has amazing beautifying benefits, including teeth whitening, maintaining healthy digestion, and rejuvenating the skin and hair. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I have a very strong charcoal game. I love their products. Check out Shazandu products at shazandu.com and use discount code DORA, D-O-R-A, for 12% off your order. Today's featured guest is Dr. Rafael Gonzalez. Dr. Rafael Gonzalez is one of the world's leading researchers in stem cells. Dr. Gonzalez has been a principal investigator in clinical studies for the development of the use of adult-derived stem cells for spinal cord injury, cardiomyopathy, and other debilitating disorders. His experience is extensive in stem cell culture and cell biology from various developmental stages. Dr. Rafael Gonzalez is the head of a Southern California-based stem cell research organization and has teamed up with noted telomere experts and anti-aging doctors to investigate and pioneer the development of stem cell therapies to find the limits and possibilities of stem cells' effectiveness for a range of conditions and anti-aging strategies. I first connected with Dr. Gonzalez over a year ago when I became interested in stem cell therapy as a biohacking strategy, and I was blown away by the incredible knowledge and in-depth research that Rafael had under his belt, and the passion with which he talked about stem cell therapy. Dr. Gonzalez worked with spinal cord injury patients during his early days as a stem cell pioneer, and he spoke to me about how much this inspired him in his work. We are living in a powerful time when things we only used to dream about are becoming real every day. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. It is so powerful and so rich in information, not only for your own health and longevity, but for the well-being of everyone you care about. Here are some of the questions we answered in the show. What are stem cells? What occurs when we age on a cellular level? What is the only proven way to slow down aging? Can stem cell therapy help with degenerative diseases and cancer? Can stem cell therapy help with gym performance and recovery? Do stem cells really have the power to combat wrinkles, sagging skin, skin elasticity, and hair loss? What is the role of lifestyle in stem cell therapy? What is the cost of stem cell therapy compared to other medical procedures? Can stem cell therapy help with autoimmune diseases? Can stem cells regenerate the body? Does stem cell therapy extend your lifespan? What are the most important factors to consider when looking for a stem cell therapist? What questions should you ask when choosing where to get stem cell therapy? What is the role of stem cell therapy in orthopedics? What treatments are available in the U.S.? What treatments are available outside of the U.S.? What is the future of stem cell therapy and regenerative medicine? What are the possibilities? I hope you enjoy the show. Without further ado... Dr. Rafael Gonzalez. Hi, Dr. Gonzalez. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm very excited to see you at the conference this coming weekend. 
Yes. So am I very excited. There's a lot of neat things that are going to go on there. A lot of great, fantastic people, a lot of very, very health conscious and a lot of great information um, that we're all going to learn, including myself, um, this coming weekend with a lot of neat people. David Wolf, my good friend, uh, Chris Jafari, which actually, you know, yes. um, and a lot of other people. There's actually some neat um, Ivy nutrition there. Um, so anybody needs to get that boost on or whatever they need to get, they can get it done here. Longevity awesome. now. Yeah, longevity yes. now. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Um, so I would love to start talking to you a little bit about um, stem cells, which is kind of the topic of the day. Um, and maybe starting off with um, talking about what occurs when we age on a cellular level. Absolutely. So, so a as we age, our cells in our body uh, divide. And division of cells within our body, basically, uh, it, it occurs randomly, of course, and it occurs, it occurs as just a natural process that occurs as part of aging. Um, if you think about this, that's the only thing that's actually proven to make you live longer is when you do intermittent fasting. And the reason why is that actually this slows down, if you think about it logically, this slows down division of cells. When you consume too much food, you now put your liver and your whole body sort of in overdrive, and it requires that cell division occurs. So our cells only have an infinite amount of divisions, and there's these things on the ends of cells that are called telomeres. And these telomeres are sort of like, think of the end of a shoelace, a cap, and every time a cell divides, these things clip. Once they get to a certain point, they're critical, and your cells can no longer divide, and then they don't work as efficient and we age these cells that are called senesce cells are now age cells wrinkles gray hair um you know loss of hair all these different things fibrosis of the liver lungs all these things that occurred are actually all age cells that are just occupying space and being detrimental and actually releasing detrimental factors that's part of natural aging Interesting. Very interesting. Um, so what are stem cells? So stem cells are actually, these are cells within our body that are located, believe it or not, actually almost everywhere in our body. Specific organs in our body have stem cells, different types of stem cells. But what's called sort of like the mother stem cell is a stem cell that's found in the bone marrow that's called a hemopoietic stem cell or a blood stem cell. This is a stem cell that can actually form any blood type in your body. This is considered the mother because of course, what nutrients are carried in your body, what different immune functions uh, is in your body is actually produced from these cells. And then there's another type of stem cell that's actually very, very important. This is called the mesenchymal stem cell. And this is a stem cell that's actually formed from mesoderm during, um, during development. We have three different layers and this is one of the layers. And this plays a critical role um, most in theory of you know the formation of of muscle cells of fat cells of cartilage and of bone and it plays a critical role in that however these cells are the ones that are now very very important that we now know that we can take these cells out and uh, there's many ways to you know use them and we can actually take them out and actually culture expand them meaning that i can propagate these produce more of these and then put them back in what these cells actually do is they have the ability to change into other cell types, which is what a, that makes a stem cell stem cell. They have a 
infinite amount of, in theory, an infinite amount of propagations, meaning they can replicate, 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 and maintain themselves in their same naive state. These are younger cells, basically, that are in your body. These are cells that actually migrate in your body whenever any type of healing needs to occur, and they'll change into a specific tissue. You know, you blow out your muscle, um, you need the muscle to heal, specific healing processes occur, and then eventually a stem cell migrates to the area, releases factors, changes into a muscle cell. However, stem cells are located throughout. For instance, you have stem cells in your liver, you have stem cells in your brain, you have stem cells in your blood like we just described, you know, and various different places. And this is as an adult. And as we age, the interesting thing is as we age, these stem cells also age. So the stem cells that you have in you, whether you're 40, 50 or whatever, they're that old. And as you age, the frequency of them in your body also ages. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. So what are the benefits of doing stem cell therapy pertaining to um, various conditions? So something such as a, like a superficial condition, such as hair loss or um, like beauty related aging um, and then also something um, deeper such as a degenerative disease um, such as cancer or MS. Um, what are some of the benefits that um, stem cell therapy can do for those conditions? So let's talk about the properties of what stem cells do. So what we, we know is that these stem cells can actually control the inflammatory response. It's one of the key things that they actually do. It's a mediator of inflammation. So the vast majority of not every single disease state has an inflammatory component to it. If we can control the inflammatory state and change it from what's called a pro-inflammatory state to an anti-inflammatory state, which is a healing process, we now can actually heal endogenously our own bodies. Um, that is what stem cells do in general. They also can change into other cell types, meaning I can take a naive stem cell and I can change it, let's say, let's talk about orthopedics. It's one of the key indications and it works phenomenal for people that have uh, muscle tears, tendon tears, um, knee issues, osteoarthritis, any type of these age-related diseases or just general injuries, it works great. It can change into the, the specific tissue type that's actually needed. And third, and one of the other most important properties is that it increases vasculature, meaning it increases blood formation, blood flow. When you were young, remember, you would just get up and you would run like crazy and you fell down and you healed in a matter of seconds. It's because your vasculature in your body was optimized. Your blood flow was going directly to where it needed to go. There was no occlusions. There was no blocking of anything. And you healed the necessary oxygen, the necessary nutrients were able to get to where they need to get to. So if you think about the two different important things, the inflammatory component and the blood component, we can now from there go into what stem cells can actually help and what they can't do. Let's start off with degenerative diseases such as heart disease or, or specific types of uh, myocardial infarction or heart attack. A heart attack is basically a cutoff and occlusion of blood flow to the heart. So if we put stem cells in that area, the theory is now we can actually take and form a bridge of vasculature over that occluded area and we can actually add new blood flow, new oxygenation to the heart, to the damaged tissue. If we think logically, another thing that this in theory can work for is to stroke, which is, and these, and these are actually documented cases too that it actually does work for. Stroke is actually a, a same thing, vasculature, insult, but to the brain this time. 
So we cut off oxygenation, blood supply to the brain in specific areas, and you get these secondary symptoms of it, you know, where you can't talk well, depending on what area, where you can't walk well. What we need is increased vasculature, increased blood flow immediately to those areas before the tissue dies. Same exact thing as a heart attack. Lung diseases, a chronic obstructive pulmonary fibrosis, pulmonary fibrosis, any one of these different types of lung diseases, these are relatively um, well you know, studied. And you look at this, what it basically does is increases oxygenation. People that have lung issues, they can't breathe right. There's not transfer of oxygenation the correct way. And this is what these cells do. When we take a, take, when we take a look at simple, um, not simple things, but let's say healthy as we age, normal healthy aging, and your gym performance, your gym performance, you can't work out as hard. You know what? When I was 25, wow, I would run 15 miles. <laughs> I would go lift. I would spend hours and hours in the gym. Mm -hmm. What happens as we age is the vasculature is not there. Mm -hmm. The muscles, the amount of factors that are occurring in your body, the growth factors that are normally optimized are not there. If we can add stem cells to the mix and we add stem cells for these type of individuals that can't work out as hard, and we've seen this with such things as MMA fighters, um, high, high performance athletes, Kobe Bryant, all these type of people, they go and they get these procedures done. Because now what I can actually do is I can add these in, I can suppress the inflammatory response, which is a big problem, and then I can also increase the vasculature. We discuss this and we, we talk to MMA fighters that have this stuff done and the MMA fighters say, you know what, my in-between round times have now gone from one minute of rest that I need to 30 seconds. Wow. Um, my Versa climber, you know, I'm maxing out on my Versa climber like when I was, you know, five years ago, eight years ago when I before I even started fighting, um, these type of things. So this is what you will see on a regular basis. When we discuss cosmetics, we have to discuss turnover of skin. Mm. Uh, turnover of skin actually occurs rapidly. And this occurs on a regular basis. However, at some point during your aging process, many things occur because also your skin starts to sag. And it's because you don't have the right amount of plumpness underneath this. The hypodermis, which is where the fat is actually stored, it actually starts to shrink and die down too. So these are all replaced by stem cells. Stem cells can actually take and convert and form fat. Stem cells can actually form skin. Um, however, in the case of skin, you're talking about loss of the skin actually producing the right amount, the right amount of collagen, the right amount of elastin. So that's why you have all these superficial products that you can actually put on your, you know, on your face. You can put topicals. And what you look for in this is that not necessarily the use of stem cells, but what you look for is actually the use of the derivatives of stem cells. So stem cells secrete all these factors in your body. They secrete these things, growth factors are actually called, they're proteins and they're different cytokines which actually control cells, function of cells in your body. The way stem cells work, for instance, I'll give you an example. I take a stem cell or stem cells, of course, and we do an IV. The stem cell works by what's called a lock and a key system. One of them has a lock and your body, for instance, may have the key where the key is the distress signal that says, I need help. I need you to come over here and I need you to help. So stem cell can I find that right combination, find that key, dock onto that key, and then stay there and start secreting what we just discussed, these growth factors and these signalers. That causes endogenous healing. Your own body starts to take over. Your own stem cells now come and become active because they were dormant and not doing the right job. Your own other different cell types come in and actually will come and do the right thing. It'll signal immune cells to say, hey, 
I need more inflammation or I need less inflammation or I need the regulators of inflammation to come in and help me out. That's their job is to signal and actually to repair, to regenerate and to heal most importantly and cause your own system to actually make the correct changes so they work the right way. Interesting. So if that process is occurring, does that also regenerate or does it just kind of stop that process from happening or does it actually like if I were to do it um, it for my skin would that actually bring that fatty tissue back underneath or would it just kind of stop that process from happening so so you would have to so in the case of if you had for instance a systemic injection Mm -hmm. it would slow down that processing by stopping the process from happening Mm -hmm. if you wanted it to regenerate more fat you would actually have to have it injected locally into whatever areas for instance if you think of one thing that they use a lot in regenerative medicine you've heard of what's called the vampire facelift Mm. The vampire facelift is just simply what's called platelet-rich plasma, Mm. uh, which is actually obtained from your blood that causes these factors to be released and cause inflammation. So when you have this stuff done, you have this stuff injected into your face, even with stem cells, you'll have an initial inflammatory response. So you'll look puffy in the beginning. And of course, what does puffy mean means? You now have stretched out the skin. Elastin is activated. Collagen is actually being released. And the skin looks much better. But when you increase blood flow, like when we see on a regular basis, for even individuals that have, let's say, heart disease or individuals that have lung problems, we do these injections of, you know, IV injections of stem cells. And what you see immediately is you'll see the person that came in sort of with a a pale, underhydrated skin. They have this stuff done, and you can now tell they're completely flush because now we've increased the vasculature. We've now increased collagen content that can actually come to the face. And skin always will look better, will appear better because of this. And that's PRP, right? That's PRP, but that's also, if you do stem cells in, in, in an IV injection, you'll see an overall benefit of even the skin actually rejuvenating, mm-hmm. the skin actually getting more vasculature into the skin and the face. You'll look at individuals, you'll see them, and before they came in, like I said, you know, they'll be somewhat maybe pale or whatever, and then all of a sudden they have this stuff done and they're flush. Mm-hmm. You can say like, wow, you have really good vasculature in your face. Mm-hmm. And then... With the PRP, is that something you do um, continuously or is it just a a one-time procedure? So in the case of PRP, you normally have to do it more than once. This Mm -hmm. only has a certain amount of a lifespan to it, you know, it lasts. Actually, stem cells is the same exact thing. It just depends on the individual. What everybody needs to understand is this is not a cure. Mm -hmm. This is never a cure. This is sort of a, a... a repair or a slowdown of the process of the processes that occur. You'll have, for instance, cases that we've done where we have a patient that's a class four heart failure. This is somebody that can't even barely bend down. They're they're in a heart transplant list. They can barely bend down and tie their shoes. They can barely walk a block. And then we'll get these guys all the way down to a class two where they now they can comfortably live. They can actually bend down, tie their shoes. They can actually go play around a golf. It's a change of life. It's a change of your quality of life. But eventually this person, because of the processes that have occurred, the damage that has occurred, eventually somewhere along the line, it'll happen again and they'll have to go get the procedure done again because it does have a certain lifespan of how long it lasts. It all depends on you integrating, like we discussed, overall health, eating right, nutrition, Mm -hmm. IV nutrition, making sure you're optimized, making sure you're keeping the inflammatory response, you know, down in your body. Um, You know, another key thing now too, are you activating your CBD receptors? 
Um, you know, are, are, are you, are you optimized as your whole body? I mean, there's just so many different aspects to it. It's just not a one and done. And that's about it. You got to keep overall health. And this helps a lot. Do you, um, kind of implement a protocol for, for your patients when they come in, when, when you do this process, do you tell them like, you know, part of this is changing your lifestyle and changing your, um, daily habits? Yes, we, we, we assess, you know, we assess patients and we assess them and, and, and try to understand, um, especially ones that are ill, the ones that are older, the ones that have gone through so much degeneration throughout the years. Um, what are you eating? What's going on with your gut health? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. You know, that's like very, very important. What's going on with, you know, your environment? You know, what are you taking in? What are you consuming? You need to make these changes. You know, for instance, I have individuals that come. Uh, avid smokers, pulmonary fibrosis, and they just, you know, are you still smoking? Yes. Well, then you know what? You're wasting my time if you're not going to quit smoking. We're not even going to bother to do this sure. because you need to, you need to remove this. This is one aspect that has to go away. Yeah. And all you're going to do is we're going to help you temporarily, and you're going to put something toxic back in your body, and it's going to activate the problem real, you know, rapidly, and it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. You have to isolate the problem, find out what's going on, make the change, and then we can help you make that change. Do you find that when people come in and they have this, because it's an energetic, I think, probably process. Some people probably go through kind of an awakening. Do do people come in and really do change their lifestyle and kind of start over? Many, well, many do because this is not a cheap procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you tell people that they have to pay for this, you know, this is not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near covered by insurance. Whether it's PRP, which costs less than than stem cells actually do, they're not. Um, so people are sort of forced to get this awakening and say, hey, you need to make these changes. And they all actually the, the nice thing is that when they come and talk to us, a lot of them are somewhat educated. Um, but the education now goes to another level of understanding what's going on with their disease, their problem or what changes. And then at the same time, are you disciplined to make those changes? Are you willing to make those changes? If you don't make those changes, you're just wasting your own time and then our time, of course, also. Yeah, for sure. So I think it is important to kind of touch on the cost of um, stem cell therapy, but also really kind of compare it to other forms of, um, I don't want to say therapy, but people go through these procedures that are really high cost, like they'll go through a cancer treatment, which is like hundreds of thousands of dollars and um, or, you know, knee surgery and not only the financial costs, but also the emotional costs of something like that. Um, how are they comparatively? Let's, let's discuss a simple example as to um, one very, very prominent and, and very, very a, a problem that's occurring worldwide, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. Um, and it occurs more in women than it occurs actually in men. So rheumatoid arthritis is a complete debilitating autoimmune disease. And as it progresses, you get worse and worse. The pharmaceutical industry out there basically wants to feed you these drugs that are anti-immune drugs. They specifically work by targeting, the majority of them, targeting a specific protein that's a massive inflammatory protein in your body called TNF-alpha. So they block that response. However, when you now talk about blocking that response, you now block overall immune system. And one of the secondary side effects of this is actually cancer. So that's one detriment to it. Besides that, although insurance covers these drugs, a lot of these drugs, you're still stuck with an out-of-pocket of about 30000 a year sometimes in that range. 
let's talk about fantastic things that stem cells do. Stem cells do, there's actually studies that demonstrate stem cells do this almost the same exact thing, if not even better, much better naturally that this actual one of these drugs do. One of these drugs such as Umera, Remicade, these type of drugs that are out there that you see a ton of commercials on and then there's a long list of, 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 of side effects at the end of them. Um, they do the same exact thing at a fraction of the cost. When I discuss, I mean, maybe half the cost and they'll last anywhere from six months to a year, depending on individuals. My sister, rheumatoid arthritis, had to stop riding bike. It's been about a year, year and a half. She's now riding bike again. Wow. Um, she's able to ride back again. She had an infusion done. A lot of individuals, you know, David Wolf's mom, I don't know if you've heard the story with her. She came in, she came in with us with on, on a wheelchair with, you know, a lot of hip problems, a lot of massive amount of pain. She's had a couple infusions done. As time progresses, you need more and more. But we're talking about somebody that now is, I mean, she's her, her, her quality of life has changed substantially. You know, she can walk, she can get around. She, you know, she functions. She's able to now deal with everything. I mean, we were in Mexico one time and we walked I was surprised by this woman you know walking blocks and blocks I mean miles wow, she, she walked amazing. miles with us and she hung in there and she was doing great and she's like yeah. oh I would never have been able to do this before yeah how awesome well and yes. I think that it's pretty it's pretty crazy too to see because a lot of people they don't really I mean they know the information and maybe they've seen the research but for a lot of people to actually experience that level of healing is phenomenal it's kind of mind-blowing i think yes yep yeah it is yeah a lot of people change their perspective on life completely uh, especially when you've been afflicted with something that's debilitating and um and then all of a sudden you have a chance to come back and and feel better and do something then at that point is when you sort of become i, I think more that you become humanized right you just you, you get completely understand like wow this is you know my life was so good before yeah. it's not gotten bad now it's, i have my life back it's now time to really take care of myself. And this is how they educate themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the procedure for um, stem cell therapy? And I think there are different procedures because, you know, you talked Correct. about topical. And then there's also, um, you know, more internal procedures. So can you talk a little bit about that? So when you, when you normally think of a simple procedure that's done where you want to cover the whole body, uh, for instance, it's in, in, in aging. We want to cover the whole body and try to deter the inflammatory effects that occur with aging and the the dysbiosis that occurs basically sort of, let's say, in your body, um, the lack of homeostasis that occurs on a daily basis. We talk about basically doing an IV, a systemic IV. You know, your blood flows anywhere from two to 300 miles an hour, and you just basically stick an IV of stem cells into somebody, and systemically it goes everywhere. Um, first and foremost, the stuff is filtered in the lungs because when you have an IV, everything goes through the lungs and then it goes to liver, spleen, and then everywhere else. Um, so if you think about this for lung disease, it works great because it's the first stop. The second stop is, is, you know, the, the, you know, liver and the spleen, um, which both of them, you know, one of them deals with metabolism. The other one's a filter in the body and, and it helps filter out a lot of things. Now, the issues is when you start discussing things such as heart um, and other areas, brain, how can it actually go? Because these are one of the last stops uh, that they actually get to. And in these cases, you get into what's called the more invasive procedures where you do, for instance, in the case of, of heart, you want to do a catheter. You use the femoral artery or the radial artery. Those, you know, when you think of these um, angiograms, when you want to look at pictures of the heart, they, they tap into these arteries. And then they deliver a catheter all the way up close to the heart or in the heart, and then they inject locally into these areas. 
These are more effective because now this is the first stop of the cells is going to be there. You think of individuals that have heart disease, have heart issues, or have you know issues with with uh, central nervous system. These individuals most likely have other problems that are going on too. So if you stick an IV into them, nine out of ten times, the majority of them is going to first try to fix the other problems that are occurring, and then very little of it's actually going to migrate. You know, we've done many of you know we have my studies, and there's many publications of my studies where they do these injections and they stick cells into, into mice and they can track them. And then you can actually see where the cells go. They first go, like we said, to the lung. And then as time progresses, very few of them actually get out to the brain, uh, to different areas of the body. You know, in the case of, of neurodegenerative disorders, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, et cetera, uh, these require, you know, there's only two different methods of getting it in safely. One of them is where you actually do it through what we said through a vein or uh, through an artery catheter, where we drive it up to the internal carotid artery, and then we can deliver cells that way. That's one. An easier approach is actually a lot safer approach, is to do a, what's called an intrathecal injection, very similar to what's called a lumbar puncture, where you tap into the ce uh, cerebral spinal fluid, you remove very little bit of this fluid, and this is basically your blood system. In your central nervous system, in your spine, in, in, in your spine and your and your brain, it's the fluid that that is circulating on a regular basis, just like your blood. It's what delivers all the nutrients, everything that's in the spinal cord and in the brain. It's also turned over on a regular basis too, just like blood is. It's a very it's like it's like its own mini system is what it is. Um, you have access to it through a lumbar puncture or through other punctured areas that you can puncture this fluid. And then you can actually inject cells into there, and then the fluid actually causes it to flow into the brain and the spinal cord everywhere, and it won't go actually outside of it. So those are accesses. When you start talking about these type of procedures, now you're talking about a little bit more invasive procedures, and of course the, the, the cost goes up uh, with these type of procedures because they're a lot more invasive. Interesting, interesting. And then is there a recovery time kind of for something like that, more, the more intense procedures especially? The more intense the procedure, the more recovery is. Normally, these type of procedures are, are outpatient procedures, the vast majority of them, um, including even, you know, if you do a cath on a patient, then it's not, they have to spend it overnight uh, because, not because of the procedure, but necessarily, not necessarily because of the cells or anything like that, it's because of the procedure. When you tap an artery, there's a risk of possibly some bleeding in the area, which are just nat natural risks that can occur. Um, so you have to make sure that the bleeding has stopped in that area and there's no issues and you just monitor the patient overnight. You monitor the patient also overnight when you do it to an intrathecal injection, whereas when you do the lumbar puncture, you monitor the patient too to make sure that they don't have any headaches or the tap that you did is not leaking because if there's leaking, then the fluid's leaking there and it causes pressure in the head and you can actually have a headache until that little tap that you've actually tapped is actually sealed. Hmm. And how often would you do a procedure like that? Would you do that like every year or every six months or? This depends on the patient, depends on what's going on. Every mm -hmm. single one of us are unique, mm -hmm. um, you know, and us, our uniqueness is what actually dictates how we do. We know individually if it's time, you know, people come and say, hey, it's time um, for me to have this done again because I'm starting to feel bad again a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I need to have this done again. But these procedures could be done safely with no problems within intervals of three months, six months. Normally, it's pretty typical with some individuals that come. Um, it just depends. Interesting. And, and then do you do the procedure where you take the stem cells out each time? Or do you just have the stem cells and then every time they come in, you use the same kind of sample of stem cells? 
So with that, let's actually digress just a little bit and discuss okay. the different stem cells. So from you, this is called autologous, from mm -hmm. you, you have your own stem cells. I can take the stem cells out of your bone marrow and then I can actually process them. And this is a mixed population. You, you'll hear this used freely. They said, hey, I'm taking your stem cells. But basically what you take from there is a mixed population of immune cells and other cell types and a very small fraction of stem cells. I can put that back into you and it works well. It works great because you have various different cells types in there that also play a role in healing. Okay, so it's a small percentage. People call that freely stem cells, but it's not necessarily stem cells. It's a mixed population of stem cells that contain stem cells. The second thing that we use and you've heard is probably fat. I can isolate fat from you and I can process the fat and I can isolate some stem cells from there too. That's very similar in the case that there's a few a small amount of stem cells in there and there's other cell types in there. These are mixed populations that are from you that can be used. Now we actually use these things called off the shelf stem cells. I can take a stem cell from an umbilical cord tissue that has been very well characterized. The, the mom has been very well screened. Genetics have been screened. The cells have been grown up to make sure there's no mutations. There's no what's called chromosomal aberrations. We verify these things in labs. We grow them up. We do various different types of testing, bacterial, viral screening. I mean, a ton of different testing. And we can use these things at off, as off the shelves, meaning I can take one donation of one that I've expanded up, I've grown up. So I've grown this up in a laboratory environment in a Petri dish, expanded these up, and I can use these on anybody. Wow. I can do the, yes, I can do this. So the person doesn't have to go through a procedure. So if you think about somebody that's much older, like we said, the frequency of stem cells is so low as you age. Somebody that's, you know, once you get into your 60s, 70s, the amount of stem cells we're gonna extract from you, they're not gonna be great. Somebody that has an autoimmune disease, if you think about the problem, there's something inherently wrong with all the cells in your body. Your immune system is out of whack. Why would I take, and there's studies that actually show this, a stem cell from an autoimmune patient and put that stem cell back into them, culture it, grow it up, and put it back into them. It does not function as well as a, a stem cell that is healthy. So okay. depending on the individual, we sort of design a specific program and design and try to say, this is not gonna work for you, this will work for you. Now, on the cells that I can extract from your bone marrow, from your fat, I can take those and I can culture those up that you don't have to have the procedure done again. So I can expand cells. But as you know, as we age, there's a limited amount of, they're just as old, there's a limited amount of replications. So I can only replicate a certain amount. And these cells will also age and senesce, and they won't function as well. So there's only a certain amount of replications that I can do with these cells. Versus a younger one, I can do an infinite amount of, you know, I can do, I can do thousands and thousands of doses, and they're still at the level of a 15-year-old stem cell. So why would anyone use their own stem cells if they can get somebody's younger, healthier uh, stem cells? That's a great question because a lot of people worry and say, I want to have my own personal drug, my own personal stem cell put in me. I don't want anything from anybody else. Okay. Um, that's one thing. So it's, it's individual depending on the individual. If we can take care of the situation, it's not that big of a problem, and we can take care of the, the situation with using your own stem cells, then we do. For instance, in orthopedics, 
bone marrow stem cells work phenomenal. Mm. I can take a small isolate, and it's not a it's not a, it's not a painful procedure at all. People think it's a very painful procedure. It is not. Basically, going into tapping into the bone of the hip, or actually you can actually go into the front of the leg and doing it. Actually, going into the bone doesn't hurt. The only thing that you'll feel a little bit is some pressure against. It's a pressurized system, and when the, when the bone marrow is being extracted, you'll feel some pressure in the bone that sort of feels like a lot of pressure. And, you know, it's like somebody squeezing your leg really hard. Mm-hmm. That's what you that's what you would feel. So these there's a ton of studies on this stuff that actually shows that these cells work fantastic for orthopedic indications. You know, people that actually believe it or not, um, total knee replacements, total knee replacements, the orthopedic industry is bombarded by this as we age. They cut you go into the majority of orthopedics. They make tons of money on you by, oh, you know what? You're bone on bone, you need a total knee replacement. Even if you have a total knee replacement, there's no guarantees. They're basically removing your whole knee and they're putting some screws and some metal inside of you and they're putting in a synthetic joint in you and then forget about running ever again, forget about doing a lot of the things that you did before. In the case of stem cells and taking a bone marrow extraction, I can put this stuff into you. I now cause a physical separation of your bone on bone because I put this into you. Um, I now give you time. It's not necessarily, it's not a cure, but if I can get you back to doing some of the exercise you did before without pain, then I've won because there is no guarantee when you have a total knee replacement, when you have a joint replacement, there is no guarantee that it's going to work. At least here, I give you a natural method to actually you buy time and continue on until something else possibly comes along or continue doing what you were doing before. Uh, continue running, continue doing whatever exercise you want to do. And then once it breaks down, if you want to do the procedure again, we do the procedure again. I've had this stuff done on my right knee three times Wow! Uh, in, in, in a five-year lifespan. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I ran three miles. I played racquetball. I had to stop for a while because my knee would swell up because I have a uh, grade three osteo, grade two osteoarthritis, excuse me, on, on my right knee and a meniscal tear. Um, just having these things, it's been a year and a half actually since I've had done the last time I had a bone marrow procedure done was a year and a half ago and I've been holding strong. It's been great. I mean, I'm an avid runner. I try to run no less than 10, 15 miles a week. Um, you know, play racquetball on a regular basis, work out, lift, do everything. Um, and I function and it doesn't bother me and it's functional like it was before. It used to bother me all the time. So it's a matter of what your preference is. You know, when you do these medical procedures, remember especially, you know, these total knee replacements, there is no guarantees mm-hmm. with these. It's like, it's it's a gamble of you have a headache and you take a Tylenol, is it going to go away? It's the same type of thing. Right. You know, it's, it's a very similar type of thing. So I rather do this naturally because there's so much toxicity out there and there's so much junk out there um, that we need to change that and we need to make things naturally. We need to take things back a little bit. Um, you know, if you think about the incidence of cancer now, I mean, every day, I'm t- so many people popping up with cancer. What's the difference? What's going on? There's something toxic with our environment. There's something toxic with the food. Lots um, of these things, are, yeah. Yes. These are when we need to sit down and find out what's going on, keeping healthy, your immune system healthy. Um, all these unusual viruses that are popping up, you know, making sure that you're able to ward those off, that your immune system is optimized so you're able to ward these off so you maintain health. And uh, and you don't, and you don't get cancer. You know, the, the key thing to cancer is as we age, you're more prone to get cancer. And it's all about your immune system. Mm-hmm. Your immune system is not healthy enough to ward it off. There's now studies that document the majority of these people that have cancer have other viral issues such as Epstein-Barr virus or Lyme disease. 
Right, and it's because yeah. your body's your body your body's warding these things off and it doesn't have time to recognize the cancer that actually comes in and now starts to grow and starts to take over. It's your body system, it's specific immune cells in your body that are actually supposed to take over and 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 do, you know, take care of cancer. And we when we discuss cancer, especially blood cancer, the nice thing is that you hear stem cells curing cancer, because it does. Mm -hmm. But this is only specific types of cancer when we talk about blood cancers. So you have, like we said, the blood stem cell that's in your body. If you have cancer and you're in remission, I can remove that blood cell and I can have a lot of it. And now what happens is you have to go through a chemotherapy because we have to remove the cancer in your blood system. Mm -hmm. And then we reconstitute your blood system with the stem cells, the healthy stem cell. And you're now, some people are cured or they go into remission you know, permanently from their cancer. This is in blood cancers when we use stem cells. And so with that chemotherapy, because that's pretty toxic to the body, but the stem cell therapy could probably kind of regenerate the damage. Regenerates from all that the damage. Procedure. Yep, it has to. Yeah, because they have to find a way to remove the cancer. So you're sort of forced. You're forced mm -hmm. to go through chemotherapy mm -hmm. to remove all the toxic. However, chemotherapy is actually bad for us because it's toxic to all even healthy cells. Yeah, yeah. But 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 at that point you have a ch you have a you have a, a choice. Right. You know, you put yourself through this toxicity to heal again and to go through a period of healing and and going through every you know stem cells. Um, you have that choice and. In many, many, many cases, I mean, people have been cured of cancer with specific blood cancers, um, you know, with stem cells. Um, and so um, pretty much anybody can benefit, I think, from this because really it's all not only is it if you're sick, but it's also very preventative because if it is about right. the immune system, then building up your immune system is vital to preventing diseases such as cancer and inf inflama inflammatory related diseases as well. So it's yes. really not only a kind of a vanity oriented procedure, but it's really powerful in extending your lifespan. Correct. Yes. In a sense. Yeah. And so when you're choosing someone, I mean, especially if you're, you know, taking stem cells that aren't yours originally, um, you have to be probably kind of really vigilant about who you go to because I could see how this could, you know, there's not always the highest integrity um, businesses that are there, doing there, this. There, there isn't. You're you're 100 correct, and yeah. actually, this field is now exploited. Mm -hmm. um, I I've been doing this for 18 years. I've been in the sector for 18 years. I'm a PhD. Some of the original studies that were out of University of California, Irvine. Uh, with the Christopher Paralysis Foundation for Spinal Cord Injury. I'm from the Spinal Cord Injury field. Um, I was part of, I was fortunate to be part of, and humbled by it, especially people that are afflicted with spinal cord injury. I'm humbled by what they actually have to go through and the difficulties of, of living with spinal cord injury. Um, it's unfortunate now that um, people call everything a stem cell when the majority of things are, are not stem cells, mm -hmm. and they can sell you anything out there. Um, it's up to you as an individual to do your due diligence to make sure that you're getting the right thing done um, to shop because you actually have those options to shop. It's like when you buy a vitamin, you shop. Now you have those options. Right. Um, a lot of people take advantage of sick people, um, you know, give them, you know, oh, yes, this is going to cure you. You know, like I said, this has not cured anything except some cancers, some blood cancers. Uh, hasn't cured anything. But in some cases, it, it can. Uh, change your quality of life. You know, unfortunately, I get contacted by people everywhere 
um, that are sick, that have all these different, you know, diseases and and disorders. And uh, unfortunately, I have to, a lot of them, I tell them, listen, um, there's nothing we can do, especially when it's a genetic disorder. Uh, you have an inherent genetic issue and that needs genetic repair. Um, we can maybe subside some of the symptoms. You know, people talk to me about diabetes all the time. And I say, I cannot cure, stem cells cannot cure diabetes. Right. What it can do is maybe if you have the neuropathic pain, we can treat that. Um, if you have, you know, problems with the retinas, with the retina, this is actually problem of vasculature uh, in the eye. If you have a wound that is not healing, we can treat that part of diabetes, but we can't treat the diabetes and we can't stop the diabetes. Ultimately, that's up to you. Uh, to control your blood sugar and to control your diet mm -hmm. and to control this one way or another because if you go out of whack a little bit is when the, the issues occur. Mm -hmm. um, that's why homeostasis is so important in our body, you know, keeping this natural level at, you know, that's why our temperature, you know, 97 degrees, the pH in our body, so, you know, it, it's got to be optimal. If you go out of whack just a little bit, it throws everything else out of whack and then your body goes into overtime. And this is, these are things that, like you just said, is that stem cells can actually benefit, uh, you know, people, yeah. you know, when we do, when we do these surgical procedures, um, you know, not even, not necessarily, let's say, you know, a ligament, if you have a ligament tear, there's stem cells is not going to heal that, that the tear needs to be surgically put back on. However, the healing process can be expedited by using stem cells. So I can now add on, you know, the, the orthopedic doctor will then resuture the, the, the ligament back on where it needs to go. And you can add stem cells on there and it'll heal in a fraction of the time, mm -hmm. which puts in the case of, you know, these, these high performance athletes, instead of being out six months a year, right. they can get back in there in three months or whatever it is, you know, necessary. Which is insane because yes. they're injured all the time, you know, so that's yes. it's a crazy amount of, um, it's a crazy resource for them. So I, yes. I could see how they can benefit from that. And um, so I, I wanted to ask what kind of treatments are available in the U.S. compared to outside of the U.S.? Because I have heard the term stem cell tourism, which is where people have to kind of go outside right. of the U.S. because those, there's a lot of um, or there's certain treatments that just aren't legal. Correct. Right. In the United States. Can you talk a little bit about that? So absolutely. So. So legal in the United States right now is basically if you have um, if you have cancer and you're going to have a stem cell treatment that is legal um, within the United States. That's from you or it can be actually from somebody else. That's a match. Mm. They have to be a match, similar match, not necessarily what a complete match, but a what's called a four or six match at least normally. But it just depends. Um, that's completely legal in the United States. Um, now legal is what's called minimally manipulated from you so I can extract out bone marrow and I can process it and I can put it into an orthopedic as long as it doesn't have a systemic effect. So for you, meaning orthopedic, if you have an orthopedic issue, like I just discussed a little bit ago in the U.S., you can go and there's a lot of places that do this. Actually, there'll be there'll be some at longevity. Now you'll see there'll be a, a, a booth there for it. Um, and you can actually have it done. You can actually have a small bone marrow extraction done or some fat extracted. Well, fat you can't actually do because I'll, I'll explain to you a little bit. You can't do it anymore. Um, bone marrow you can do because of the process is just a, a simple centrifugation where you keep the endogenous property of the cells and then you can throw it into a joint. You can actually inject it into a muscle as long as it's not a systemic effect. 
um, you could you could put it into these areas. So when you talk about fat, fat requires disruption of of a specific tissue. So they can no, they no longer the FDA no longer count, counts it as being legal to do these procedures in the United States, unless it's for aesthetic purposes. Meaning I take fat out and I transplant fat into something else. It's whatever the tissue is intended for in your body. Normally, fat serves as a pad. So if I want to take fat and put it into breast, I can to reconstruct the breast. If I want to take fat and put it into buttocks, it serves as a pad there. I can do that also, but I can't take it and now say I'm going to heal. I'm going to use it for Alzheimer's. I can't do any of that. None of this, this this stuff is allowed systemically, meaning in an IV in the U.S. You're not supposed to do these things with IVs in the United States. So you're sort of restricted to doing it um, for ortho, you know, orthopedics, which it's being used widely and it works fantastic mm. um, in this. So when we talk about going ex-U.S. is when we now employ doing it either from yourself where – it's um, a procedure that requires an IV, or whether it's from culture expanded, meaning we produce it in vitro in a lab and we've expanded it out. In the case of these, just make sure you do your due diligence of where you're going. Um, make sure that you know that whoever's, if you're getting some cells produced from somewhere, make sure that these cells have been verified, documented. Um, you know, Maybe they were produced, if they were produced in the United States, do so they have the documentation for it? Um, you know, what type of validation, meaning uh, most important, I mean, for me, you know, simple thing that I would think of is that, hey, what genetics are, if it's some from somebody else, you know, have, the, have these people been, been tested for different diseases, genetic diseases? That's mm -hmm. one. Um, the product that you produce, can you show me validation that there's no viruses in it, that there's no bacteria in it, that there's no fungus or yeast in this kind of stuff. You know, show me that this stuff. That, I mean, that, that's those are just basic questions mm -hmm. besides a lot of the other science questions that are difficult. Um, but it's up to you ultimately, wherever you decide to go outside the United States, um, you know, to get this done. That that you've talked to people that have had this. You know, David has traveled several times to, to Mexico uh, with me, and we, we've done these procedures. I mean, these are, you know, it, there's, a, there's a great lab that we actually have that we do these with, that we work with. Um, down there. So it, it's it's just make sure, you, you know, you, you do your homework. And doing your homework, I mean, you, you can, you know, get references from trusted sources, but is there like a, um, a way to research that? How would you research that? Would you, um, I don't know, is there like a database or how would you kind of go uh, approach that? So, I mean, if you typed in stem cells, you'll a bunch of websites will pop up, right. of course. And I mean, you'd have to contact the person that's offering you it, uh, find out, you know, maybe discussing, hey, can you, can you, can I, can I have access to other patients that have had this done? Um, I'm interested to know, you know, what they have done. Um, if you're going for a specific procedure, you know, you know, if you have a specific disorder, um, how many of these patients have you done? Can you tell me of the success? How much work has been done? Uh, what do you do? What is this procedure? And then you can look into, I mean, that you know, the internet is just, it's 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 a vast educational you know highway that you can you'll dig 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 dig, and unfortunately sometimes it's just like a circle that you're just digging digging you're not really getting anywhere. But sometimes what I've noticed is it's better to talk to individuals that have had this. If you're going somewhere in particular and it sounds like it's a it, it's it, they're good, and they're doing the right thing. Um, you know, number one, what type of cells are they using? Mm -hmm. Are they pure stem cells or not pure stem cells? Mm -hmm. uh, number two, um, is has have you studied this, whatever I'm getting it done for, whether it's aging, whether it's for heart disease, have you done many cases of this? And if so, can I talk to some patients? 
and can I get some feedback or can you show me some data that shows that this stuff in your case and what you're using has worked. Um, the production of the product, who does the production of the product? Is it done in a clean area? Is it done in a clean room? Is it a certified clean room? Um, these type of, of things that are, that you have to, you know, you're paying money for this stuff. So you, you gotta, at the same time, you gotta figure, make sure that you're doing the right thing. Those are, that's really good information, I think, for a lot of people because, you know, the questions to ask, knowing which questions to ask, I think that really leads you down the right path. And you want to make sure that it is the right the right um, clinic or the right place for you to go. So yes. those, are, those are good questions. Um, so I want to ask you, what do you think is the future of stem cell therapy and what's your vision for that? Uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think the whole field is going to go to off the shelf. So what we had discussed and it's mm -hmm. getting there already. Yeah. Um, that's one. Uh, two, it's getting so much so that Generation X products are basically products of what, what stem cells release and synthesize. So it's just these factors and these are called, now they're called endosomes. However, a lot of these things, these endosomes, these proteins, they're packets, they're delivery packets, uh, they're codes. Um, we take these codes and we actually produce these codes synthetically recombinant. We just produce recombinant human proteins of these codes and put these into where the fact that it comes to a point that we're not even using cells anymore. Um, if it's a specific disease and we know to grow up the cell a specific way or what we need, we take the information packets from it and then we deliver these through an IV or local injection or whatever needs to. Um, even using specific um, carriers and methods of, you know, nanoparticulate these codes and they can actually get to in the case, especially in the case of cosmetics, where we, it's actually better that way because all I basically need is the proteins that'll stimulate collagen production, the proteins that'll stimulate fat production, you know, these type of things. I just need those. And if I can actually encapsulate them, impact them that are released from stem cells, I can now produce a ton of these. And they'll be um, manufactured in a way that I get the same exact product every single time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's consistency in it and you'll know if it works and if it doesn't work. Uh, that's the future of this and possibly even synthetic, um, you know, uh, stem cells. I mean, it's, it's, there's some people trying to produce these already uh, where you actually make them and you manufacture stem cells, you know, not from you, not from another piece of tissue yet in a laboratory. Wow. Yes. It will be amazing. Do you, do you think that there's like a time frame for that? Do you see that happening in the next like 10 years or? The, as information gets out there, um, I think within the next five years, the stem cell sector will change substantially. Um, there'll be some things that may be approved. There'll be some things that'll be frowned upon, that'll be regulated even more. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. The issue is that when we talk stem cells and people say, how come these things are not approved? That's, this is the reason why these things are not approved. First and foremost, these are naturally occurring uh, cells that are in your body. They're hard to patent. Mm -hmm. So you can patent a procedure, so you can't patent it. So when we talk about doing studies and getting these things approved in the United States, we're talking about doing phase one, two, three studies, and then applying uh, with, with getting a BLA, what's what it's called, um, you know, getting approval for these things. We're now talking about, that's why drugs cost so much money. We're now talking about half a billion dollars to a billion dollars. Now, during this whole time, a company has spent all that money to do this. Um, how do we recuperate our money? We now have to charge 
you know, half a million dollars or whatever, $100,000 of therapy to recuperate the money because number one is, hey, we want to recuperate the money that we put into this thing. But at the same time, we don't own a patent for this. So nobody wants to really take this thing forward because how can I protect all the money and the investment I put into this? That's one thing. Secondly, I personally think, and a lot of others think the same exact thing too, large pharmaceuticals and a lot of these large companies have a lot to lose with this. So if, if for instance, if we can... Uh, you know, subside a lot of symptoms of heart of heart disease. Then now these individuals are not taking the drugs that they're making billions of dollars of. If I can actually, you know, subside or cure diabetes or somewhere along the line, we find that it helps diabetes substantially by by you know, manipulating stem cells, which is another thing that's actually the future too, is manipulating these stem cells that were they de delivered, and they release, for instance, let's say in this case, release insulin naturally. Okay, mm -hmm. so in that case, um, I no longer need these insulin drugs for diabetes. Mm -hmm. So now that the, the, the drug market is out of, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars because they no longer need, uh, you know, this, this stuff. So there's very few large pharmaceuticals actually investing in stem cells because of the, what I just said, right. the patent portfolio, how is it protected? How do you stop anybody else from using it? And then if this thing actually does cure or heal something now, I lost my market. I lost a lot of money uh, from this. So those are the issues that, that the stem cell sector is actually, um, it's that. And then the second thing is a lot of pirates out there making really bad things and making bad claims and killing the sector. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, do you think that the United States will ever catch up with uh, Mexico or places where, I mean, for the, you, know, you just named all the reasons why it's not you know, available in the United States as it is in other countries because of the pharmaceutical industry. Do you think that the United States will kind of catch up or do you think it'll be other places first and then eventually the United States will get there? So, so the issue is that you, so the United States is in the forefront, of course, of research and knowing what works and yeah. making the best products. Mm -hmm. And they will always be that. Mm -hmm. um, approving these types of therapies are things that other countries say, hey, you know what? They're safe. We've seen safety profile. Let's go ahead and let it go. Mm -hmm. So what happens in that instance is that although the United States knows that this stuff works and knows what can occur, these people outside the United States now have more clinical relevant cases. They know individuals of what it works. The problem is that there, there's, there's not enough control on what's occurring outside, for instance, like a massive database, like you had just asked earlier, a database where all patients are collected. Like for instance, if I, you know, the Mexican government has a lot of places that do stem cells. Um, there's other places that do stem cells, other different countries that do stem cells. The Bahamas, they do a lot of stem cells. You know, where's a database that, you know, they log in a person, a person has gotten this done, and this was that person's improvements. You know, that would be the smart, approach of doing this so then they have all the data that they know what works and what doesn't work um and then this way that you know it can get out there to the public you know we know it works for this it doesn't work for this um we know that this cell type works this other cell type doesn't work so it's it, it, it's going to take time and um they are making a lot of progress as far as changing the regulation uh for instance expediting regenerative medicine uh products now through the pipeline making it cheaper for them to get through the pipeline in a quicker manner. And then somewhere along the line, um, I truly believe that they will come up with some kind of regulation where um, they allow it following safety. Because the most important thing is that people don't understand is, ah, the government regulates this stuff too much, but no. 
At the same time, they're looking after your safety. Mm -hmm. If a product is produced in a dirty manner, and I've seen a lot of dirty labs out there and a lot of dirty stuff being done out there, um, you have a big chance of catching an infection. Mm -hmm. And if you catch an infection, it's because the procedures, the most important thing is that they're looking after your safety and they look more importantly after the cleanliness of the product. Is it produced in a clean manner and is it produced in a clean area and are there processes in place that show that this has been regulated and done the right way? That's what they're looking at, number one. So they're actually looking after your health, too. So you really, really do want to do your research if you're going to look into getting this done. Absolutely, yes. 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 That's awesome. On that note, um, I would love for you to share where people can find you and... um, Maybe if you're on, I don't know if you have a website or um, maybe a social media page or anything that people can find you. I have, the funniest thing is I have none of the above. (laughs) Um, My, (laughs) I can give you my personal email because I work with various, um, I work with one company, DaVinci Biosciences, but I work with other companies that I consult for. Um, and, and I'm, you know, easily like longevity. Now I will be there. Awesome. A lot of people come up to me. I will talk with them. I will be there with a gen company called Gentera med that does IV nutrition and does some regenerative medicine things out there that are doing phenomenal work. Um, and they're actually a U.S. based company that does orthopedics, all this. Um, my email is Rafael, R-A-F-A-E-L 923 at hotmail.com. If anybody has any questions, concerns or anything, I'm open and I'm always here to, uh, help. I am a soldier of the people is what I tell everybody. I'm here to help as much as possible. Um, my name, Rafael is actually a saint of healing. And my mom says always that that's why you, you were you were intended to do this. You were intended to try to help others, even though I'm not a medical physician, but I have a ton of colleagues that do. I know, um, disease inside and out because I study this and I help doctors understand what needs to be done and, and look a little bit more detailed of, of how different every individual is. If your doctor's not spending time with you, he's not a good doctor, move on. Find somebody that's gonna individualize everything to you and not just give you something that he read out of a book in medical school. That's a problem with the medical system now. Go see that integrative doctor, go see that nutritionist, go see these individuals that are gonna care for you more. Sage advice. Thank you so yes. much, Dr. Gonzalez. Thank you very wonderful much. Wonderful to speak wonderful. with you. I will see Likewise. you this weekend. We'll see you. There. Be well and take care. God bless everybody and enjoy your lives. That's what it's all about. Thank you. Thank you. Thank See you. you soon. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this show. I was so inspired by Dr. Gonzalez and his work and all of the things that he shared on this show. And I really hope that you were too. I want to encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and the people you love, especially this particular episode, because it really could be the thing that gets them to make a lifestyle change, or it might be something that they really enjoy learning from. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe. And if you want to be extra supportive, please leave a review and a rating. It's super easy. Just scroll down to the bottom right and click on the little dots. You'll see leave a review. Please tune into the next show, episode three, with intuition expert and alchemist Malcolm Saunders. We will be talking about biohacking your intuition and eating intelligently. Have a beautiful week. (laughs) 